Last week, Tim started to unpack um, two prophetic words that had come to our attention, um, and they were about asking God. So I'm just wondering if you just show me who was here last week or who has heard it, just so I can get an idea of what to fill in. Okay, that's pretty good. You would need to listen to last week's message. I can't recap the whole thing. Um, but first of all, we just we had someone who is a dear friend of ours and probably was the most instrumental human being involved in us starting up I-61. Um, and she contacted us a couple of weeks ago and said, I've just been really praying for your church. And she said, I just had such a great sense of this huge healing wave of God coming over your church. And she said, and in, if, in case you weren't here last week, you need to listen carefully so you know I'm saying the right word. But the wave of healing was going to knock people back onto their asks, A-S-K-S. Back onto your ask as in what are we asking God to do. And then around the same time, the end of August, so only about two weeks ago, um, another friend of ours, Jody Hughes, um, they now live in Texas, they used to be up on the Sunshine Coast leading a church there, and she did a whole prophetic word around asking God as well. And then um, after we spoke uh, last week, I've actually heard quite a few people uh, coming back and saying things like, oh, God's been really speaking to me about that as well lately. And I'm sure Sam Leanman won't mind me dobbing her name in, but apparently, um, what were you saying? She... Yeah. So just so the recording can hear, um, as they were driving into church last Sunday before we even started to get together and have our corporate family time, um, they drove in and the um, number plate in, in front of them was ask. So God seems to be saying something here and reawakening the ask of our hearts. So I want to talk to you today. And then, oh, and then last Sunday, I actually woke up way too early, which was highly inconvenient. But what happened during that time was that I really felt like God told me three, a three-part message about faith. And so I sort of woke up and then I spoke to Tim and oh, I just got this download about faith. And he said, oh, I'm going to speak about asking God. So I was like, oh, that sounds, sounds good. So we're going to go for it today. Um, in terms of faith, we speak a lot about faith. And faith is not confined to Christianity. We speak about faith in general. In the world of Christianity, um, you know, we, we've seen some amazing moments of faith in Christianity. And even now, like there is such a, a rising level of faith, I think, in the body of Christ across the globe. Faith for people rising from the dead. Faith for the multiplication of food when they only have so much to feed a million children and they've run out of food, so they lay hands on the food and the food multiplies because God still does His miracles today. And so amazing things of faith coming out. Sometimes faith in the church has been expressed in a performancey way, um, like, well, you just need to have more faith, as in... Blabbing and grab it. Who's heard of that? Blabbing and grab it, name it and claim it. You know, that kind of faith. Confess it and possess it. Or faith has sometimes been expressed in like this vain hope of, well, we've, we don't know what else to do, so we're going to ask God. Okay, so I'm covering a huge spectrum 
because I don't want to say that all the church is looking at faith in an unhealthy way. I think there's some great things going on, but I do think there are some shifts that we still need to make. And the faith that I have come to know in God is way more meaty and way more life-giving and way more full of substance than some anchorless hope where we don't really know what the outcome will be, but we'll ask anyway, because God's not like that. So we're going to have a great look in the Bible at, at really simply today. I'm going to do it next week as well. So I'm sort of setting you up today and I'm going to leave you hanging a bit. Is that okay? Just like hang all week, but we can hang together. So it's all good. Yeah. So what is faith? When we have a look at them in the Bible, I feel like we will have no doubt and have a very clear picture of what faith actually is. It's very evident when faith is present. Before we dive in, I actually need to set up why faith is really, 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 really important. Okay, it's really important. Really. Yeah. I want to set up the place that faith has in the kingdom. Okay? So, you ready to just like strap in your seatbelts? Let's go for a very quick ride across a few things where we'll cover why faith is so important. You ready? In Genesis, where God created the world, in Genesis 1, God set up the world with a set of rules on how the earth would function and a set of laws. I, no, sorry, I will take away the rules. He set up the earth with a, a set of laws. Now, I'm not saying they're the laws of do not kill, do not lie. I'm talking about the laws that are similar to like the laws of earth. Gravity, for example. When was the last time you were in your home and wondered if all the furniture in your house might suddenly go up to the ceiling? <laughs> I don't know if that happens because we're on earth and we know that the law of gravity is in place and we know that gravity will just be. As long as we're on the earth, we've got gravity because it's just a law of the earth. Another law of the earth realm is the law of inertia. Michelle, you should be very you know, impressed right now. My, my sister who's very scientific and I'm so not giving two scientific examples, but you know, if you were to roll a marble here and roll it hard, you would expect that it would go keep going until that force has ended somewhere. You don't suddenly think it's just going to stop. It's just the law of inertia. Inertia? Say inertia, just so we can all feel really scientific for a moment. That's right. So the, so the world was set up as in a set of laws according to God to govern the earth in a way that could represent heaven. A law that has continued from the Old Testament right through to the New Testament is actually the law of sowing and reaping, right? So that's a law of the kingdom, as in the king's domain, the kingdom, that's a law, honor, um, sowing and reaping. You know, it says, it shows that in the Old Testament, it also says in the New Testament, given it shall be given to you with great measure that you give, it will be running over into your lap, etc., etc., etc. So there are things like that. Now, when God set up the running of the earth, the governance that He put in place was that He said that man and woman would have, let me read it to you. Here 
He said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the earth. So he actually put by his choice, man and woman in charge of the governance of the earth realm. Now the big problem, so God chose to give them authority. The big problem came in when Satan came to deceive them to give, once they believed him, they actually gave Satan a foothold in the affairs of man. And that's where we see where bad stuff happens, right? That's where brokenness, chaos, and all of those things have come into the earth. So I'll give you an example of our everyday so you can try and understand this the best way possible. I'm going to give you an example. Who is a tenant renting at the moment? Okay. So you have a landlord. The landlord is the owner of the place that you are in. However, as a tenant, when you step into that place, you have a certain legal jurisdiction over the place for the time that you are there. There is a clause in the contract that says the landlord may enter your home given certain you know, circumstances, so it might be repairs, they have to be arranged in organisation with the tenant, etc, etc. So the tenant has the keys to the property. The tenant sees what happens on the property. Now, if the tenant is really close to the landlord, let's say the tenants are man and woman over the earth realm, and the landlord is God, then you know, in, in close covenant, the tenant is saying, God, you can come into this home and you can do whatever you like. In fact, what would you like to see happen here? Okay? But when Satan came in and chaos started to happen and brokenness started to happen, there was a broken covenant. And so Satan did not gain control of the world. We actually still have the keys. We still have the keys of authority, but we get to choose where that's, what's going to happen with that. So by the laws that God set up, he is unable to invade the earth realm without a man or a woman in, in, back in covenant with him and in agreement with him. So something or someone was needed to bring us back into heart connection with God. And we know that that was Jesus. Through the cross, through the resurrection, we have full restoration to be right back in that perfect harmony with God so that we can now govern the earth on behalf of the Father and release the plans of heaven on the earth. Okay? All right. Very good. You're doing well. Okay. This is, why, this is where faith comes in and this is why it's really important that we understand that, you know, as his children, that we get to govern the earth on behalf of the Father and release heaven on earth. All right, let's look then at what is faith. We're going to jump around the Bible a bit, which is why I actually have two stands here because I've just got all sorts of things open. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And that seems like a pretty good you know, understanding of what faith is. Sometimes faith is called hope. I would like to say that hope is like a fruit of faith. Hope is not faith. When you are certain, which is the what is faith, of something, you have hope. We don't hope our way into faith. We are certain 
and the fruit of that is hope, okay? All right. So we have that faith is being sure and faith is being certain. And that's good and that seems like, okay, yes, I can understand that. I want to read a few examples of what that actually looks like as you read the Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They're the Gospel books of the Bible. And actually, if you, if you really want to understand faith in terms of what was faith like with Jesus? How did Jesus respond to faith? Was faith even really important? Then I encourage you just to open at least one of those books of the Bible, Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, and just look through and look for the word faith. And you are going to have a really cool ride through that book going, wow, that is possibly more important than I was thinking. So it's really good. Okay, now let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 10. When Jesus had enter, entered Capernaum, a centurion, a centurion, and centurion, by the way, is like a general of the Roman army. And really, he wouldn't have had a lot to do with Jesus. He would have just known about him. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralysed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And then this bit is really important. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then down to verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done for you just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Okay, there's one example. I want to go, I'm going to do a little bit of the passion. I love the passion because it's so great in expressing the heart language. Um, verse 16 in the passion of um, chapter 8 says, That evening, so this is Jesus travelling through Capernaum. That evening, the people brought to him many who were demonised. So, you know. They're in a bad way. Yeah. And by Jesus only speaking a word of healing over them, they were totally set free from their torment. Now, even though this doesn't say faith, I want you to hold on to this. And everyone who was sick received their healing. Okay, that's important. Okay, now we go to Matthew chapter 9. I'm just doing a little bit in Matthew. So you, as you can see, if you went through the whole thing, you'd be like, whoa, this is massive. Huge, big, really big. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Some men, um, Jesus stepped into a boat. So I'm starting at verse 1 if you want to be following. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his town. Some men brought to him a paralytic, paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, do you get that? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And then, of course, the religious leaders go, oh, he's forgiven sins. And he says, well, just so you know that I'm the son of God, I'm also going to say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. So he does that. And the man is healed. Now let's go um, to verse 
Chapter 9, verse 29, in the Passion. I'm going to read. That is the wrong chapter, so if I read that to you, it won't make a lot of sense. I'll just go to the right chapter. All right. So Jesus is opening blind eyes. All right. Jesus asked them, do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? They replied, yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. So there's a whole lot of key words here that are unpacking faith for us. Okay, now I'm going to go to Matthew 13 and we're going to have a look at probably Jesus' worst day of ministry. Okay, so this is when, you know, faith is not so present and what happened here. So I'm on Matthew 13 and I'm reading verses 54 through to 58. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. So like at first they're like, then they go, Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they took offence at him. Which is really interesting, isn't it? But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honour. And then verse 58, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So let's just stop there for a moment. He did not do many miracles. Um, A really good day for us would be to do some. I was like, well, I couldn't do many. There wasn't a lot of faith. The power of the corporate faith, the power of believers believing together, having faith together, releases mass result, mass miracles. He was probably just running there on his own personal anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he could only do a few miracles, which as I said, we would probably go around the world and speak about for months. So that's... Pretty cool. But because of the lack of faith, he couldn't release all the miracles. Because a man and a woman who's been given governance and legal jurisdiction over the earth realm did not realise that he was the son of God, did not realise what he could do. And so they couldn't agree with him and he couldn't release it. He wasn't free to release it. The fruit of no faith. All right, Mark eleven twenty three says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Let me read it again. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes with what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Firstly, I just want to kind of point out that that's actually quite a strange example to give someone from Jesus as to what you could do to have faith. Like, you know, imagine if he'd have said, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this person with leprosy, be healed, then they will, and does not doubt in their heart, they'll be healed. He says, if anyone says to this mountain, 
go throw yourself in the sea. Like, it's not really something that we would probably think of doing. But I love it. I love it how he chooses quite the unusual to express just how extreme faith is if we do not doubt in our heart. You going all right? Okay. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. Really great chapter about faith. So this is about Abraham and Sarah. For those who don't know, Abraham was super old, super duper old, like 100. His wife was not far off that. And God had said to them, because they'd been, they'd been praying for a baby and they had been wanting a baby their whole life and it hadn't happened yet. So God says to Abraham, nearly 100, I'm going to give you a baby. And through that, you're going to have enough descendants that's going to cover the earth, right? Pretty big promise, but he's nearly 100. It's not just a story, like it really happened. And I wouldn't imagine someone near my great, my grandfather lived to 100 and imagine that happening for him is quite a spin out. But so, so this was the situation that Abraham was in. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was old and was as good as dead, probably in terms of you know, his ability to have a baby, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened. Like he didn't just not waver, he was actually strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So I'm going to sum all of that up and say that I would describe faith as being fully persuaded of what God says, fully persuaded of what heaven says. Like we have the centurion, he probably wasn't hanging around Jesus very much. And he's like, you know what? I actually know who you are, Jesus. I know it. You don't even have to go to my house. Just say the word and he'll be healed. I know you, I know who you are. I know the authority you carry. I know the relationship you have with your heavenly father. And all you have to do is say it and it's done because I know it. That's faith. He was so persuaded. I think of the woman who touched the hem of his garment. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. She knew who he was. She knew who he was. People who came that were demonised. People, you know, the people that carried in the paralytic on the mat. They're like climbing through the crowd. Look, we are going to get this healing for my whoever it was, whether it was a friend or a relative. We're going to because I know if we can just get through this crowd, I know he'll be healed. Because they were fully persuaded of what heaven said. See, when we know who he is... And when we know who we are as citizens of heaven, the powerhouse group are just learning about being citizens of heaven today. When we understand the power of our agreement with Him, we're going to see our asks turn into testimonies. It is going to happen. 
because that is who he is and that is what he's like. You know, Psalm 2.8, in fact, the Bob, we could take a very, we could probably take the whole year every time we're together just to go through the number of times in the Bible God says, he, God says to his people, ask me. He says, ask. And in Psalm 2.8, he says, ask me and I will give you the nations of the earth. Now, some of us might not have the faith right at this time to ask for the nations of the earth. Like, let's just be real, okay? We're a family, we do real. Sometimes it's just not there, but you might have the faith for your neighbour. You might have the faith for your friend. You might have the faith for your family member. So what I want to say is start with where you are, bring in your community around you and say, pray for me, guys. Pray for me that my heart would be fully persuaded so that I can ask. And then we move through to nations. Because could you imagine, I can't help it, sorry, I have to go to nations, just bear with me. No, I'm not going to apologise for it. You know, could you imagine if the church on the earth was asking for the nations? What would happen? Do you think the father who said, if you ask me for bread, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a stone? Do you think he'll say, well, I don't know, guys. You haven't jumped through enough hoops yet? No. He's like, ask me, ask me. You're my kids, just ask me. Let's do this together. Because his heart for the nations is even bigger than ours. So we may not have the faith to ask for nations yet, but we, do, we might have the faith to ask for our friends or our neighbours. And then when we start to see amazing things happen, we might have the faith for our region. And then we might have the faith for our city. So when we're faithful with what's in our hand, God will grow it. He absolutely will. Start with where you are and ask God to grow you from there, but don't do it alone. Ask everyone around you. This is what church family is. This is what doing community is. We do it together. So here's the amazing thing. One of the fruits of faith is that, yes, we're fully persuaded, but it takes the begging out of our asking. If we are children begging our father for something, then I don't quite know if we understand just what he's like yet. So it's okay. It's not like, well, oh, gee, now I'm begging. Okay, well, now I have to feel really bad and crawl into a hole and that's the end. No, it's like, oh, hang on. That's actually sounding a lot like begging. Do you know what? I don't think I need to do that because I have a really good dad and I'm allowed to crawl up into his lap at any time and ask him and ask him and ask him. We don't need to reason with God in our asking. God, you know that this person is really committed to you and God, you know that they really need you and God, you know that if blah, 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 please God, you know. It's like, Yes, he knows. We don't need, we don't really need to convince him because he is longing for us just to ask. Last week, um, Tim and I were chatting through some things that we're just going for in faith at the moment. And we were talking about 
you know, the balance between asking and declaring and then also then like us stepping out and actually doing things at times, right? So I'm going to talk more a bit about that next week. But, you know, I said to Tim, I think there is way more to our partnership with God in the answering of our prayers than we realise. And the partnering is asking. There are other partners that come along the way, partnerships that come along the way out of that. But our, our first partnership with him is asking. I actually think it's a pretty amazing deal. He died for us. He rose for us. He loves us to pieces. He knows everything about us. And he says, ask. That's our bit. It's pretty good. Okay, so last week we spoke about getting our ask back. <laughs> what have you been asking for? Or what, what do you need to ask for? In a moment, we're going to go just into um, like just some time with God, just to go, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Because really, when we are in full covenant with God, heart connected, we know what he's saying, we know what he's doing, we know what we can ask. All right? We're going to do that in a moment. Um, here's the thing I want to say before we do that. Asking provokes a lot of things for us, which could cause us to steer away from asking. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, just checking. There are a couple of things, and there will be more, but there are three main things I was thinking of that, that make us steer away from asking, and the first thing is disappointment. If you have asked before and not seen the answer to your prayer, you are, you are going to be carrying some disappointment in that area. And what are you going to do with that? Does that mean that this is all not really true? doesn't mean God isn't who he says he is. And you know, sometimes I know there are things that we've been contending for and we haven't seen the answer yet. But you know, I'm not going to let my disappointments define me. I'm not going to let my disappointments tell me what God is like. I'm not going to let my disappointments tell me who I am in Christ. What I am going to do is I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him because it always comes back to, you know, the disappointments fade and who he is gets way bigger. So disappointment is a really big one. And that's actually something we need to be real about. The, the next one is um, fear. I think there's sometimes some fear around asking. Now, you know, for some people, when we grew up, asking um, brought us punishment. We got in trouble if we asked. Sometimes um, we have a fear around asking because we haven't quite understood what the Heavenly Father is really like. And so if we have a picture of a Heavenly Father who's really angry with us, we're probably not going to feel like a genius for asking Him for anything. So looking at our concept of God, looking at the things that go into us to create the barriers 
and our blocks to being fully persuaded are really important. And that's why as a church, we've been looking at the Elijah House ministry and, and really going into our foundations of you know, what made us up as a child, what made us up as an adult, and looking at the things of how those bitter root expectations and our bitter root judgments and the inner vows that we make our, ourselves. You know, as a six-year-old, when you get hurt by something, we make a whole lot of vows right there on the spot. And that actually creates the way that we walk through our life when we keep doing that. So that's why doing the Elijah House stuff has been really important for us. They're great tools. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, come and talk to me afterwards. But, um, you know, we will keep walking through that. And it's really important that we do that together because you cannot work this out on your own. And the third one is um, that I think we steer away from asking is around concern. What if I'm asking the wrong thing? How do I know if this is God or if this is me? Um, what if I'm being selfish? And I am just going to say to you, Psalm 37.4, Psalm 37.4, Psalm 37.4. What am I going to say? Psalm yeah, which says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now that can be read in two ways. Delight yourself in the Lord and He's going to give you what you want or delight yourself in the Lord and He's going to give you what you want. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like some of us don't know what our desires are. Just worship God and He's going to put desires on your heart. Some of you know what your desires are. So just worship God and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Does that make more sense now? So some of us don't actually know what we want. Just delight yourself in the Lord. You'll find out what you want. Some of us know what we want. Just delight yourself in the Lord and it'll line up. You won't need to worry about that. Let me just quickly read um, a little bit out of this word from Jody Hughes. Asking him for what we want prods the hurting places of past disappointments. Equally, it compels us to look again at our hearts and in vulnerability, place areas of pain before the throne. Asking God to heal, restore and redeem our hearts as well as healing any hurt or raw places. This is partly why it's so important to make your request known to God right now. The asking in itself can be a healing thing. You know, for some of you, that's just the breakthrough you need is just in asking, even though it requires brutal honesty and courage. God desires healed hearts and He is restoring the places that need supernatural hope and healing. Be honest. He can cope with it. And raw in your times with God, real healing and comfort comes from realness with God. Go to God with your pain and your questions, not away from Him. So what are the things that persuade your heart? And if there are things that persuade your heart when it comes to asking that are different to the delight yourself in the Lord, that are different to going after Him, then what I want to say is, Let's deal with the barriers to our faith. Let's not hop into condemnation and accusation and now I'm just a really bad Christian and oh no, this is really bad. And oh. Let's not do that. That's not fun. Let's hang out with each other. Let's get each other to pray for each other. Let's talk about it. 
Let's talk with God about it. If you are not feeling there are any barriers into the area of your ask, then just start asking, start declaring and start praying for everyone around you. Yeah. Okay. Let's just spend a moment with God and let's just ask Him about this. Because some of us are like, yep, I know exactly what I'm asking for. Some of us are just like, I really don't know. That's okay. Either way is fine. Let's just take a moment. Just, just want you to spend a bit of time with God just for you. And whether you need to close your eyes to do that or not is fine. You know what you need to do to get into your God space with him. And just become aware of his presence. And I want you to think about something you've been asking or something you'd like to ask and don't know if you've quite asked it yet. And now just ask him really simply, what are you saying? What are you saying about that, God? What are you doing about that, Heavenly Father? Ask him to remind you of any Bible verses that you know are yours as your anchors. Ask him to put them deep, deep, deep. Deep anchors in your heart. Just You don't need to share, and we're probably running out a bit, a bit of time, but just like sort of put your hand up a bit if you felt like God was showing you something about some of the things you've been asking. Yeah, okay. That's good. You know, he's just so good at talking to us. It's, it's really very nice and easy that he does that because <laughs> he knows what he's doing. And so when we know what he's doing, how much easier is it to be fully persuaded by in our heart and not doubt? How much easier is it to just go, you know what, I have no doubt in my heart now because I know what the Father's on and I'm just going to go right ahead and ask for it. Yeah? Okay, that's something that we can do regularly when we're praying about stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of leave us hanging because next week, hanging, however you want to hang. Next week, I'm going to talk about how you get it. So we've talked about what faith is. I want to talk about how you get it and how you use it more. Okay. All right. Let's, I'm going to pray for you. And then it would be really great for you to speak to at least one other person about anything that you feel like God's been showing you today and ask them to pray for you as well because that is doing community right on the spot rather than thinking, oh, I'll share that later. It could not happen. It might not happen. So it's good to do it now. All right, so why don't I pray for you? Um, let's stand just so we can engage and just get a bit proactive. Mm. All right, if you need to connect to your heart, just put your hands on your heart. It helps. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you that you are amazing and that 
we are your kids and that we are your citizens of heaven. And, and as your kids, we have been given the keys to release your will on this earth. So God, I wanna pray for every person here and I just pray that you would give them their ask back if they have lost their will to ask, if they have lost their desire to ask or if they've pushed it aside because it's too hard, I pray that you would restore that to them. God, I pray that you would heal the barriers that have come into place that have stopped us from stepping into the authority place that we have as your kids to ask what we're supposed to be asking. Would you restore that in Jesus' name? And God, would you just continue to stir up in us how we can ask and how we can release so that we can see heaven invade this earth in a powerful way and so that we can ask for nations. Yeah, just bless everyone in Jesus' name. Amen.